My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 53. Well, howdy, folks. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru. Thanks for jumping on or in or clicking to listen to a podcast or to just listen to the radio on this wonderful morning in East Tennessee. I am so glad I live here. Um, you know, and probably because I don't suffer from allergies. Um, if I did, I would hate living here. <laughs> we have a lot of pollen, and there's a lot of seasonal changes here in the middle part of this country. But, you know, we have a lot of people moving in, and I guess they have experienced things in other areas of this country that they don't like. Uh, used to be just weather-driven. Now I think a lot of that is politics-driven, wouldn't you agree? But we're not going to talk about that. This is a quarterly thing that I try to do, and that's to jump back into the mailbox. I go back to all of the little inquiries that I get either by text or email, and I answer those questions uh, as we go, but I never really summarize it until once a quarter. So it's that time. So we're going to jump into the mailbox and talk about uh, some of the things that people ask me. You know, some of these questions are really good questions. Most of them have to do with, I guess, taking care of their car. Um, And, you know, you may think that some of this is common sense. But if you've never really had to handle this kind of stuff before, maybe your husband did it or your wife did it or you weren't married and your daddy did it or your mommy, somebody did it. Somebody worried about these things for you and you didn't have to worry about it. Um, other things have to do with our teenagers and, and elder folks. What kind of, what's the best kind of cars to buy for them? And so it's really kind of interesting and I hope you'll enjoy it. We'll, we'll start here in just a second. Before I do, if you are shopping around for a vehicle right now and you have to finance it and you're looking for a low rate, some of the manufacturers have got some really good deals right now that, uh, you need to pay attention to, whether it's, you know, you're looking for a Chevrolet or a Honda or Toyota or a Ford, like I sell or a Nissan. Um, there are some deals out there. We have 0.9% financing right now, for example, on certain vehicles, we have zero on others. And even on longer terms, like 72 months, we can get uh, 1.9 or 2.9%. That's way less than the going rates out there right now. Regular rates are running in the, in the seven and a half to eight percent range been a long time since we've been that high. So make sure you shop around rate. Uh, if you're thinking about buying a vehicle at a dealership or a new car dealership, before you lock your loan down at your favorite credit union or bank, check with and see what the dealer has. Because um, s- sometimes they will even put rates, low rates and uh, money, especially on remaining 2022 models. Yeah, there's some of them out there. And there are some deals to be had. They're still brand new vehicles, and you might want to check it out. We have maybe one or two left. We shouldn't have them, but we do. And so if you're interested in uh, something like that and you don't really care about the model year, when would you not want to care about the model year? If you keep your vehicles a long time. You know, if you trade every two or three years, I would try to buy the current model year, whatever you're in. That would be a 2023 model right now. I would not be buying a 2022 unless I could get a significant discount. So just kind of watch out for that. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back and we'll jump into the mailbox. Okay, it's off to the mailbox we go with a smile on our face and a skip on our step. Uh, Okay, here's the first one that that came up 
on my radar. Does the brand of oil that I use in my car really matter? You know, it used to matter a lot to folks. I remember almost uh, a guy just almost took me out. Not really. But he was very upset because we put the wrong oil brand in his car. He wanted one brand and had requested it from the service advisor, but we just messed up. This was many, many years ago at the Chevrolet store. It made me acutely aware that when somebody wants a particular brand of oil in their car, that's what you better put in it. So a lot of dealers use bulk oil, new car dealers, and they use the brand that is recommended, the brand of oil that is, that is recommended for the vehicles that they sell. So you can always be rest assured that it is the proper weight and quality of the oil that your car calls for. I'll never forget when we were a Mazda dealer and they they went to a pure synthetic oil. And all of a sudden the oil changes got really expensive, you know, for our customers and and our regular Mazda customers were kind of shocked. Uh, well, how come my oil changes double what it used to be? It's because we have to use a pure synthetic. It's actually, you know, how a lot of oils are like 10W30 and 10W40. Well, this was zero weight. It was very thin oil, and that's what was recommended for Mazda. And if you use something else, it could void your warranty. So it's very important to know that. Uh, you know, the brand of oil doesn't matter as long as it's the correct weight for your car, like a 10W40, that, the, you know, that you are following the owner's manual. That's the key. Brand, you know, that's just something that people get used to and feel comfortable with. But I would not recommend uh, switching brands. I would try to always use the same. If you start with Quaker State, then keep using Quaker State. You know, if you start with Wolf brand, yeah, that's actually a brand of oil, then stick with Wolf. Okay, and I often get the same question with regard to gasoline. Should I always stick with the same brand of gas? No. But I don't, you know, I'm going to go to a Exxon station, a BP station, a Shell station, uh, a Marathon. I'm going to go with one of the big boys. I'm not going to go with the secondary gas companies. No offense to them, but uh, I just don't think that the quality of fuel is the same. And so, you know, if I have a problem that's fuel-related, for example, if I get water in my fuel, that's happened. It'll shut your car down. You'll be on the side of the road. Sometimes it's a lot easier to get the people who sell the name brand gas to do something, to actually step up and pay for the repairs on your car than it is for Billy Bob's Gas and Fireworks Emporium. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'd be buying gas from them. No offense. Just make sure that you go with the correct octane. You know, if it's regular unleaded then and your car calls for that, just use that. You're not going to make, it's not going to run any better if you use premium. Uh, matter of fact, it could run worse. Or as they say around here, worse, sir. Uh, yeah, just use the, what it calls for. If it requires premium fuel, you better put premium fuel in it because you could uh, do damage to your engine over the long haul if you're not careful. Uh, let's see what else as far as fuel is concerned. Really, that's about it. But if you are going to leave your car stored for a while, then I'd go with pure gas. Go to Marathon and, and don't don't get gas with ethanol in it because it is um, it attracts moisture. I can't remember what the term is for that, but it likes water, and it will draw it into your gas tank, and it will uh, impact your, well, a lot of different things in your engine, in your fuel system, that is. So uh, if you're going to leave a car sitting, especially an older car for a long period of time, put uh, real gas in it, 
gasoline. Okay, let's see. Oh, I get this a lot. Lenny, what's the difference between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive? Well, they're kind of the same once once the uh, all-wheel drive kicks into four-wheel drive. All-wheel drive vehicles are like, well, the Ford Explorer, the uh, Toyota Highlander, the Honda CRV. You can't decide to put them in four-wheel drive. Uh, they automatically go whenever they sense any kind of slippage with the front wheels. Like it, most of those vehicles are front-wheel drive vehicles, although the Explorer changed. It's now a rear-wheel drive vehicle. And if it senses any kind of spinning uh, with the rear wheels, then it automatically sends power to the front wheels, and, and that's all-wheel drive, okay? It doesn't mean that all four wheels are pulling all the time. It used to, but it doesn't anymore. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, four-wheel drive. So that's where you have to actually put it in four-wheel drive, like my F-150. Like I think Toyota 4Runner, still ha- you have to switch it into four-wheel drive. You know, some of these vehicles have a little extra gadget on your dash or on the console. It could be a wheel that you rotate that will change the, the way the vehicle behaves in different types of terrain, but it's still an all-wheel drive vehicle. It's going to go, the computer is going to decide when it goes into all-wheel drive. So that's the basic difference. Okay, let's see here. Tune-up frequency. How often do I need a tune-up, Lenny? Well, you know, people just don't ask for tune-ups anymore because there's a lot of living between each tune-up. I mean, most cars don't even need the spark plugs changed until they get to 100 or 120,000 miles. Again, that's driven by how well you take care of your car, how often you change your oil. So many different things can impact your spark plugs. Uh, you know, you can have a malfunctioning part in your engine, like a, a def, uh, like I don't know, a defective valve or something in the intake. Something like that can cause uh, carbon buildup on your spark plugs. And you'll know it because your check engine light will come on. But as far as a tune-up, don't worry about it. When I first started in the car business, it was every 12,000 miles. And then when they put EFI, electronic, um, well, just all the electronic controls and stuff and fuel injection, that they went to 25,000 miles on a tune-up. And now it's 100,000. So a tune-up ain't what it used to be. All right, let's see. Oh, OEM versus aftermarket parts. You know what OEM stands for? That stands for Original Equipment Manufactured Parts, OEM. That's what your car was built with. So if you're driving a Honda Civic and, you know, if it's time for brakes, you need new brake pads. And the, the vehicle was born at the factory with Honda brake pads. Well, now you've got a choice. If you go to the Honda store, they're going to put on Honda brake pads unless you specifically ask them to put aftermarket pads on, and no new car dealers like to do that. I wouldn't recommend that anyway because I think that the factory OEM parts are superior. They were engineered for your car. Now, there's a lot of aftermarket people say, well, Lenny, they're built in the same factory. Well, maybe they are sometimes. But a lot of these are built in the United States, and then the aftermarket parts are built in China. And we don't want to support those folks. So I, I do believe that there is a difference in quality. Uh, the engineers who designed the car designed it with the OEM parts. So if you put aftermarket parts, especially body parts, like if you have an aftermarket fender that has to be put on your relatively new car, I'd buck that as far as the the insurance company is concerned, but they have the right to do that. They have the right to repair your vehicle with like, kind, and quality parts is what they call it, LKQ. 
And you've got to avoid that, especially if the car is later model, because they just don't fit as good. And the paint doesn't stick on them as good. There's a lot of different think problems I've had with them. Okay, what else? Let's see. Oh, yeah, I got this question the other day. Hey, Lanny, what vehicles depreciate the slowest? Well, you know, depreciation has not been a problem the last few years. Cars haven't depreciated. They have appreciated. And to some degree, that's happening again. We had a lull. You know, last year around September, the prices started going down. And I was warning people. I said, if you're wanting to trade, you better do it soon because your car's going down in value. Well, in the last three months, they've been going up in value again. So you're back in good shape. As far as what depreciates the slowest? Trucks. Smaller, large trucks. Uh, High-end sports cars. They tend to hold their value better, especially right now. They They didn't used to. Trucks always have. Uh, you know, certain vehicle makes will do better than others when it comes to passenger cars. Hondas and Toyotas don't depreciate near as fast as Hyundais and Kias. Um, and you'll find that um, any type of SUV is going to hold its value pretty well right now. The smaller ones less so, and the bigger ones less so. So ones in the middle that, that tend to hold their value the f- best. I mean, they all depreciate over time. But, you know, in these recent times, we still have a shortage of availability of new vehicles. So as long as that's the case, then you're going to have a shortage of used vehicles, and they're going to continue to, uh, you know, stay relatively even or go up. Okay. Okay, let's see. Oh, what wears out the fastest on a car? Well, let's see. Other than the fluids wear out the fastest, you know, is that part of your car? certainly is. If they're not there, your car is going to go kaput. So... You know, you want to make sure that your fluids are fresh and you're changing them at the correct intervals. All of that's in your owner's manual. Just pay attention to that. Go by it religiously. Make sure that you're keeping a record of what's being done. You know, even if it's just taking your repair order that you get from the place that serviced your car and cramming it in your glove box. Now, if you take it to a new car dealer, they're going to go by a checklist. And they're going to do everything that is required by the manufacturer at that particular mileage. If you go to the fast lube place, they aren't. They're going to change your oil, and they're going to do a few other things, but they're not going to do everything because they don't have time. They're not putting your car up on a lift and doing a complete underneath inspection and so forth. So you just got to watch out for that. So fluids uh, wear out the fast. Then I would say it's probably your wiper blades. A lot of people don't think about their wiper blades. I recommend changing them two times a year. They're not expensive. Do it when you know every other oil change, and you'll be good. Um, it, it's uh, better for your windshield. You know, that's glass. It scratches. And wipers, when they wear out, they can definitely do some damage. You ever seen those arced-looking scratches on, on a uh, windshield of a car? That's because the wiper blades wore out. Or the, you know, the insert kind of, f- the end of it fell out, and it was scraping on the windshield and made that arc. And you can't do anything about that. Some people think you can polish it out, but I've never seen anybody that could. Uh, then your tires, obviously your tires are going to wear out probably, you know, 35 to, I don't know, 60,000 miles, maybe if they last a long time. Uh, then your brakes, you know, I've seen brakes last a hundred thousand miles on a car, but, uh, those people really know how to drive. Most brakes are going to be shot at around 35 to 40,000 miles and you're going to need a brake job. Just get them inspected every time. Again, if you're going to a new car dealer, that's they're going to do that because that's part of their fiduciary responsibility. 
they got to take care of you because they want you to stay with them and get the best service you can get. If you go somewhere else, they lose you as a customer, and you become an orphan. Did you know that? That's what people who leave a dealership are called. They're called orphans. That's not a very good term. Okay, another big question. Should I buy an extended warranty? Lenny, Mr. Guru, should I? Okay, depending on how long you keep the vehicle. If you keep a vehicle for three years or four years maybe, then no, you don't need an extended warranty unless you drive a lot of miles. I mean, if you're if you're going to be out of the, the manufacturer's warranty in two years, then you might want to think about it, especially if it would be financially difficult for you to handle a major repair if something failed. Now, if if you've got some money and it's not that big of a deal, you know, for you to, you know, pay $2,500 to fix something that's, you know, pretty expensive, then, you know, you decide whether you want to roll the dice or not. Uh, of course, basically when you buy an extended service contract or a warranty, you are betting that you're going to have a problem. And the manufacturer, if you buy a manufacturer's extended warranty, is betting that you're not going to have a problem and they're going to be able to keep all of your money. But if you have a claim, then, you know, they have to pay up. And, you know, some of these claims can be gigantic um, on some of these. Used to, a component of a car, like an alternator or an air conditioning compressor, some of these electronic devices that are on cars, they weren't that expensive. I mean, that you could... I mean, you could repair just about anything for $300 or less. Not that way anymore. And so these things are really expensive. And, you know, if you can get something with a fairly high deductible, maybe a two dollars or $300 deductible, that'll drive down the cost. And But, but again, if it, is it easier for you to pay an extra $15, $20, $25 a month on a payment and have peace of mind and not have to worry about any future repairs for the next six years or 100,000 miles? If that's valuable to you, and that would make a difference in your financial picture, then I'd buy the extended warranty. If not, then I wouldn't. Okay, let's see. Next question. Who has the lowest finance rates? Well, on most vehicles right now, the captives do. That would be like, I don't know, GMAC. Well, it's not GMAC. It's uh, General Motors Financial, I think. Ford Motor Credit, Toyota Motor Credit. I doubt if they do because they don't ever have good incentives. Sometimes they do, though. Um, so, you know, a lot of the manufacturers are subsidizing the low rates for their credit arms. And when you can get 0% financing and a couple thousand dollar rebate, like on a F2, F-150 right now, uh, that's very attractive. Why would you go to a credit union and pay two and a half or three or 4% when you can get zero? It makes no sense. So go for zero, but I would shop around. You know, I just make sure that before you go shopping at the dealership, make sure you know what you qualify for. I mean, have you looked at your credit score lately? I mean, your credit score may dictate that you're not going to get zero. You're you're so rotten, they won't even give you that. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. You're not rotten. You just have not managed your finances very well because of maybe some reason. It could be a health reason. You know, I know a guy, that a good friend of mine that went bankrupt because of health issues with his wife. It's not his fault. I mean, he couldn't help that, but boy, it obliterated his credit score. So you know what he did? He started borrowing money, and he paid high interest at the beginning, and then he was, he, show, he reestablished himself. 
and got his credit fixed, and now he can, you know, now he's like an 800 beacon score. It, it does change over time. You just got to be responsible and figure out a strategy to come back. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here and finish this up. Okay, I am back. I get some people calling and asking me just for vehicle recommendations. And quite frankly, most of the time it's older folks saying, what kind of car should I buy right now? You know, I'm having a hard time getting in and out of what I've got. You know, I'm driving a passenger car. I mean, are SUVs easy to get in and out of? And, you know, what about storage? You know, when, with older folks, I look at access. How, how easy is a vehicle to get in and out of? I look at uh, visibility. How easy is it to see out of? You know, they use a lot of cameras right now, and that's very helpful when it comes to backing up in the parking place. And then I also look at simplicity. You know, folks don't need all this gadgetry that is in cars, and a lot of it's just confusing. And so, you know, I would try to avoid some of that. I mean, yeah, you if you want to get a Platinum Edition, you can, and it'll have all those buttons, and you won't use one-tenth of them. But if that's something that you're used to, fine. Now, as far as teenagers is, is concerned, I look for something that's safe. I look for something that's slow. You know, I'm not buying my teenager a Mustang to drive. If it's their first car, I'm just not going to do it. I don't care how, how badly they want it. They're not getting it. They're getting a four-door car that's not very pretty because, I, as I say, I want them to be slightly ashamed of it because then they won't be offering people rides all the time and they won't be bragging about their car. I just think it's it, they're too young to be thinking about that. And uh, we also want to put something on there where we can track them. I want to know where they are. You know, I would have loved to have had that when my kids were young, but I didn't. But we have it now, so let's use it. Are they going to like it? No. Do I care? No. I don't care. I know. You love them. You want to get them something really nice and make them proud. They had good grades and everything. Well, having a car is a pretty nice thing. And so you just want to make sure it's safe. And you also... uh, you know, you want to be able to track them, and like I say. So anyway, I'm going to finish this list uh, tomorrow in the next episode of My Car Guru, and I will see you then.